Welcome to Impact Drivers, a podcast about how entrepreneurs can build businesses that create a better world. I'm your host, Jen Helms. Welcome to the show. Wastewater treatment can be a massive energy hog. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, municipal wastewater treatment plants are estimated to consume more than 30 terawatt hours of electricity per year. Our guest today is Oriana Brechker, CEO and founder of AquaCycle. While working on her PhD at the University of Southern California, Oriana began to study how microbes remove contaminants from water while simultaneously producing electricity. She started AquaCycle to commercialize technology that harnesses these biological pathways. Listen on to learn about the importance of this technology and her journey building AquaCycle. Hi, Oriana. Thank you so much for joining the Impact Drivers podcast today. Hi, Jen. It's great to be here. So to start out, can you talk a bit about your background and how it led you to starting AquaCycle? Yeah. So, um, well, I've been a science and technology nerd for all of my life, and I grew up in the Southwest where water issues are paramount. And so um, through a very winding path, in fact, I I found myself uh, in a microbiology lab in graduate school, uh, learning how microbes have this capacity to actually generate electricity while they're eating carbon. And so... um, studied this in one particular organism in graduate school and then extended that study into my research endeavors um, as a not-for-profit research scientist. And uh, and then we started really applying some of this knowledge that we were gaining through the research toward how we can develop a wastewater treatment system that exploits the same activity. And so um, we then had sort of two paths in the, in the lab. One is developing a technology around what we're learning about these bugs and then continuing to learn about these these bugs and microbes and what they do. And so um, all of that culminated into eventually uh, having a, a product that was really doing some good in terms of uh, manure management and sewage management. And we, you know, we, we went back to one of our major grant funders and said, hey, you know, this works, and, and we've met the milestones of the grants, and what do you think? And then they said, go forth and make a business. Mm, <laughs> so okay. now, um, now we're figuring out how to do that. Uh, but that was uh, that was toward the end of 2016, and, and here we are now um, about ready to install our first commercial unit. Okay, great. So, so you're at that point where you're, you're installing your first unit, but you have some prototypes already out there, correct? Many, many, yes. Okay. <laughs> so we've been we've been uh, validating with commercial partners over the last couple of years. Um, so whether that's a large scale confection, large scale, you know, global brewing, um, the uh, the U.S. Navy, where we're looking at distributed sewage treatment, uh, and then a couple small, you know, craft breweries, um, and our technology demonstrations, which are still running now five years at a small pig farm. Oh, great. And, uh, yeah. So we've, we've got a lot of data now to support that this works. Wonderful. So, so you've started to talk about the technology a little bit. Can you try to break that down in as simple of 
terms as possible? Like what, what is the science that you've come up with? Yeah. So I'll back up a little bit just to say pretty much all wastewater treatment is biologically based, right? So it's, um, you know, whether it's activated sludge where you're growing a bunch of organisms um, to eat up the carbon in the wastewater and you're supplying them oxygen from air to breathe and to grow. Right. And so that's, that is the centralized facility. That's what all, all municipal wastewater treatments use is some form of this activated sludge process. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's microbes that eat up the waste. And of course, there's all sorts of post treatment processes that happen after that. But that's the primary, um, uh, removal, if you will, of, of carbon in most of these systems. So when we think about biology, it's, it's about, okay, how can we put, how can we put biology to work while we're still recovering energy and maybe lowering some of this energy requirement? So that activated sludge process, uh, consumes about three to five percent of our total electricity demand. Wow. In the United States, right? So that and moving and distributing water, right? So it's a massively energy intensive process, depending on the size of a plant, just Forcing oxygen and air into water is about sixty percent of the total energy cost of plant. Wow! Okay. So it's it's a major, major consumer <laughs> of energy. So we wanted to say, okay, these you know bacteria have a lot of really wonderful functions, and so um, in the environment, there's these bacteria that have the ability to drive geochemical cycling. And so basically transforming a mineral from solid to soluble form. And the process in which they do this is called extracellular electron transfer. But you boil that down, it's literally breathing rocks, right? Huh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just a movement of electrons to a solid surface. Okay. And that movement of electrons allows the bacteria to breathe, right? That's, that's respiration. It's just moving electrons around. So in activated sludge, bacteria moving electrons to oxygen. In this geochemical cycling, bacteria move electrons to the mineral. In our system, we replace that mineral and we give them an electrode, a solid surface. And so they're given electrons to that solid surface that no longer transforms, right? It's not going away, but we suck all those electrons across the circuit when we're producing DC power. So those electrons move and, and enable a new place for more electrons to deposit, right? So um, that basically tricks the organism to say, okay, this is a great place for me to live because I can breathe. I got food coming to me in the form of wastewater, you know, the waste in the water. And so as long as we give them something to eat, just all those organics we want to get rid of, something to breathe, which is that electrode in our reactor, uh, those bacteria continue to do this job and they actually get better at it. So we've just basically figured out a way to create an environment where we are electronically controlling how bacteria eat and breathe. And that's what drives treatment. Amazing. Yeah. And, and then you said they actually get better. What does that mean? So, you, you know, this whole process of enrichment. So the bacteria don't, don't just stick and then they're, you know, immediately 100% efficiency, right? It takes some time uh, for the bacteria to form these, uh, what we call biofilms. So it's a stationary. Mm fixed film onto the surface. And it's not just one type of bacteria, right? We're, we're enriching from a natural population. So already using what's in the wastewater or sourcing microbes from different environments locally from where we're doing the treatment. So we're not genetically engineering anything. This is not a monoculture, right? 
bunch of different microbes coming together to do a job. And so what happens over time is, you know, what we're, what we're applying is what is what's called a selective pressure. This, this, this pressure of always moving electrons out of the system in this electricity generation process. And so as we're doing that, right, we're, we're always adding that pressure. That means that this biofilm, this community that we start with is consistently changing to adapt, you know, more and more appropriately to this environment. And so when they get, when I say they get better, it means that each generation of bacteria, as it comes along, is more adapted to this environment. Oh, okay. And more, and can, and can operate more efficiently. Interesting. Okay. So can you talk about what really stands out about this process compared to how we filter water normally? or have been filtering water. I know you've talked about the energy some, but can you just talk more about the landscape and why this is so important? Well, so wastewater treatment, not something that everybody talks about. Yeah. <laughs> we, we watch it go down the drain and then that's it, right? We, mm-hmm. we don't think about it much, but it requires a massive amount of infrastructure, uh, you know, in, in countries where that's enabled, like the US and, and other Western countries. We rely on this infrastructure tremendously, but we don't think about it a lot. And it's, you know, it's multi-trillions of dollars to maintain this infrastructure. And what I mean is that sewage line, that sewage line goes to a treatment plant. The treatment plant consumes energy, it consumes chemicals. You know, there's a lot of byproducts that might come out of that as well, which have to be managed. And then, and then we've got treated water. Now that treated water has to go through some other processes to reuse it. Or we're discharging into the environment, some sort of receiving water body, like a lake or a river, ocean, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we always have to meet a treatment requirement for that particular location. So that's the standard, right? It's massively infrastructure intensive, requires a lot of people, a lot of energy and a lot of money to maintain. And so what we're doing differently is, okay, we're going to take some of that energy out of the equation, right? Is what we right. do. Is, is, is very low in terms of energy intensity because we're not blowing air into water anymore. Um, and we're recovering a little bit of energy as DC power. We can use that to offset the total energy demand of our system to some degree. Um, so then those two things really enable this uh, opportunity for distributed treatment, right? Uh, so now you don't necessarily have to be tied to a sewer if we can integrate these technologies together in a, in a reasonable way, in a cost-effective way, you can have an off-grid, off-energy grid, off-sewer grid application for doing treatment. And we, you know, we may not think that that's important, but but 20% of the United States and and growing is on septic, which is the only other option if you're not uh, on sewer. And um, and as we expand, right, and our population densities grow in cities, the municipalities which were set up 35 years ago, right? Can't handle the same flows and, and not even the same compounds that we're putting down the drain now relative to when these systems were installed. And so, you know, we need different levels of, of treatment, biological and chemical and mechanical, uh, to, to help keep the infrastructure we've already invested in running, but now also be able to, you know, sustainably and cost effectively address those areas that where infrastructure just isn't possible. Right. Great. 
So, so then also, could you talk a little bit more? So you've talked about how sometimes wastewater is just sent back into the environment before going through more filtration. Is this also an environmental concern beyond the energy consumption? What are some of the different environmental issues? Yes. Globally, 80% of wastewater is discharged into the environment, either with no treatment or or minimal treatment. Wow, that's a huge number. (laughs) A huge number. And I don't mean to sue it, right? This can be, this can be industrial waste. This could be, um, you know, mining waste. This can be any form of waste. And if it's not regulated, the U.S. has, has really strong regulations, right? Everybody, you apply for a permit and you have to meet that permit. And, and it's very geographically and regionally focused, right? For that environment. But that's not true in many, many places in the world. And so. That impact is massive, right? It's a, it's a massive impact on environmental and human health. And, and, you know, I, I think of it in terms of sanitation, which is how we started. More people have a cell phone than a toilet globally. Wow. <laughs> and oh so, <laughs> you know, and, and that really speaks to what the issue is. And a lot of the options available in, you know, less economically developed regions are open defecation, which is exactly how it sounds, or you've got a pit latrine, which is like um, an outhouse, right? But most of them don't meet the same requirements of the typical camping outhouse that you would have here, right? It's, it could be a slab over, you know, a piece of plywood over over the river. And so it's, you know, these these sorts of situations, now you're contaminating your water resource because somebody's drawing water out of that river downstream from you to drink right right and and so these are the issues that we're hoping to eventually address with a safe and cost-effective accessible solution because infrastructure doesn't plug in well to those communities and and most most of these governments don't have the money right to to provide that level of infrastructure so um that's what we're hoping to eventually address great yeah and so currently you're starting with food and food and beverage industry, right? Yes. So, okay. So, so there are other applications you see beyond that. It sounds like there's quite the vision there for, yeah. Can you talk more about that? Just. Yes. So our long-term mission, right? Is yeah. Sanitation. That's our heart. That's our, that's our long-term goal in the, but you know, in order to get there, right. We also have to drive down our cost of goods so that that technology is accessible. If not right now into those communities. Um, but we do provide a very strong value proposition to food and beverage clients who are, you know, maybe working in a municipality where they get um, a lot of extra surcharges for disposing their production waste into the sewer. So, like I mentioned, right, infrastructure, you know, it's all a biological process and it's sized for a certain community. So say you've got a big uh, food and beverage company that moves in and they're they're producing a lot of waste, but it's really highly concentrated also. It's like five, 10, hundred times more concentrated in carbon than what you see out of a, an individual home. Mm-hmm. So now this all flows into the wastewater treatment plant and like, oh, okay, I don't right. you know, we have to figure out what to do here. So usually they have to pass the cost back on to the customer to say, okay, well, we're going to charge you per pound of carbon you put down the drain. And that's going to come to you as a monthly surcharge in addition to the metered volume charge that you're typically going to look at. So those can really add up. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, depending on the size of the treatment plant in the municipality, 
they won't even permit that food and beverage producer to discharge to the sewer because it doesn't matter how much they pay. The treatment plant just can't handle it. It's ah. just too concentrated. It's too much flow. And there just isn't a way for them to accommodate. So then the food and beverage producer has to haul this wastewater off site. So they have to pay a company to truck it away and discharge it into a landfill or some other treatment facility that can handle it. And so that now also becomes pretty expensive. And so what we do is we, we help with that. We're what, we're the only technology right now that can take these really concentrated waste streams and directly treat them without dilution. So now we can take these side streams, which are really costly, um, about, you know, roughly 80% of the cost that these customers are paying to a municipality or trucking is represented by only 20% of the volume, right? Hmm. So, so that 20% is like the problem child, right? So we take that 20% as an isolated volume, small volume, super concentrated, and then we treat that. Then the 80% can go to the treatment plant, no problem, right? Because there's not a lot of carbon in there. And we end up saving our customers usually, you know, 20 to 30% against what they were doing now, whether that's hauling or paying paying the city. And we also help the city, right? Because now that load isn't coming to them. Um, they've got a more normalized feed. They don't have to, you know, there's not as much energy consumption required now to treat the water that's coming to them so they can expand capacity more easily and, and you know, provide services to their residential rate payers more easily. And so that's, you know, we're industrial pretreatment for our food and beverage customers. Great. Yeah, that sounds like a really strong value proposition for them. Yeah. Okay, so commercializing a technology like this is, obviously expensive. So how have you gone about raising the funds that you've needed to get to where you are now? (laughs) Every means necessary. Yeah, yeah, it is difficult to to raise dollars. Um, And, you know, we we were fortunate to have a a lead investor when we launched the company. Um, So the the Roddenberry Foundation, the, the Star Trek family, um, it granted my my group in the not for profit days a five million dollar grant to 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 take the technology that we had in the lab oh. and bring it to the field and and Wonderful. we did all of that with through grant funding and um and that's what got us to the point of really having the product right and yeah, so great. so we came to them and said all right the grant spent we've got a good technology and they're the ones that that initiated this process of like okay. We're going to come in as an investor now, and we're going to get you set up with a little pot of money. Um, we're going to set it up as a match. So you have to go out and raise additional funds to match what we're giving you. Oh, which is great. You know, yeah. it, uh, we, we had a little starting pot to say, okay, somebody believes in us. Yep, yep. <laughs> somebody validated this. And uh, and now we, have, we go out and, and try to bring in others who share that same vision and, and understanding for what we can be. But, um, you know, transitioning out of a, a research career into mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and that going from grant funding to investor funding is, uh, is a big leap. <laughs> One that yeah. I certainly did understand when I said, okay, create a company, no problem. Right. <laughs> right? Um, and so, you know, it's been a huge learning experience for me and I'm still 
drinking from the fire hose on a daily basis in terms of, okay, what, what does this mean now? You know, what is the value we're providing to investors, not just mm. customers? You know, where's this market expansion going? How are we, how are we now talking about a business instead of just a technology and crafting that story and, and you know, and really changing that conversation? took about a year <laughs> before I was comfortable. And thankfully, we had some awesome accelerator programs that, you know, helped us do that. And, um, you know, we were part of the Imagine H2O program in 2018. And Great. They were transformational for us in helping craft that story and, and reach the right investors that are interested in the same, you know, um, opportunity and, and board members, et cetera. And so, you know, that really, really helped us tremendously. And then within San Diego, it's a great startup ecosystem here. Um, we've had wonderful support from angel investors within this community who believe in what we're doing, right? They may not, they're not necessarily focused in water specifically, but, but see what we can be, you know, from an impact uh, company and, and you know, where we share that vision for where we ultimately want to go. And so now building this network, right? We're now being introduced to more and more folks who, who have that shared vision, who understand the business and value proposition, um, and, and want to see us now scale, you know, past, past a startup. And, you know, we're, we're now early stage, but we're, um, we're revenue generating and, you know, we're, we've got to track profitability, but it's, it's, uh, takes a village. And it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. So, so could you talk a bit more about? So, it sounds like Imagine H2O is really helpful. What have been the resources um, that you've found have been the most helpful in your journey? Definitely, you know, mentorship and, uh, you know, other accelerator programs that we've been a part of. You know, we've been really fortunate again here in San Diego to be a part of. Um, we were in the inaugural San Diego Angel Conference, which was um, uh, is a part of the SBDC uh, program at USD, and that that really launched um, AquaCycle within the community here. We've had some, and and the reason we were there is because we had an investor who introduced us to the program, and she she really focuses on you know female and minority led businesses mm. and promoting them. And then she introduced us to her whole network who have that same investment thesis of, of impact and, you know, female founders, and, you know, we're, we, we face a different set of challenges than our male counterparts. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, we're, we're hardware. It's um, unusual <laughs> to invest in hardware. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot more interest in software because you, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a smaller team, less burn, you know, you, you know, you can be the next Facebook, whatever. And so, you know, it's find, you know, finding those right groups and, and connecting with those groups who now are invested in our success, right? It's not just like, oh, this was a cool investment. We're walking away. It's like, okay, how do we help you succeed and, and grow? And, you know, who do we introduce to? And there's, they always, you know, at the end of every meeting or uh, quarterly report, monthly report, you know, if I don't put an ask at the end of that correspondence, they come to me. It's like, what, what do you need? <laughs> right. And so that's been amazing. So San Diego Angel Conference, Stella Labs, um, Ad Astra, Tech Coast Angels, right? The angel groups that are here in, in Southern California, individual angels who've introduced us to their networks. And, um, you know, and our accelerators, Imagine H2O and, um, uh, 
TMA Blue Tech, you know, we've made some great connections. So it's, it's really, uh, it's hard to pinpoint just one. We've had so many and are very grateful yeah. to have that network. Oh, good. Yeah. And it sounds like really your strategy has really been trying to find those investors with that social impact thesis. You found that it sounds like that that's where you see the most traction, the most yes. movement. Yeah. Yeah. Because water, like, it's, you know, we, we, we started talking about in the beginning, you just don't think about it so much, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it is one of these resources, which doesn't, it doesn't get the same press necessarily yeah. as, as some of these other more impact topics. But if you think about it, really climate change is water change. You know, we're changing the entire water system by changing the patterns of storms and, you know, having, having more localized weather and more intense weather in, in different geographies, right? This, this changes the entire water dynamic in that region. And, and without water, you, you, you can't go to work, right? If, if the water main is not delivering water to your facility, that facility closes, right? right. If, if you don't have adequate sanitation or access to restrooms, you cannot operate. And, you know, we, we don't think about it because it's so ingrained into our society because, you know, it's just there. Right. But, but you travel elsewhere and you really recognize what a, what a valuable resource this is and, and that we need to start valuing it differently than we do in the United States. And so that, that message is clear and understood within impact communities. But water is also a very challenging market. It's highly yeah. regulated. Um, technology adoption, new technology adoption is very slow because of that regulation. And because you're, you know, if it doesn't work, you're impacting businesses, you know, you're impacting lives. And so it's risk averse for a reason, you know, as, as an industry, but uh, it makes it challenging <laughs> as, a, as a new innovative technology to break in. Right. Yeah. So, so what do you wish had been there? It sounds like you have managed to find a lot of great resources. Are there, have you been able to think through, oh, I, if there had been this, you know, that would have made all the difference. You know, the, the tough thing is when you're starting a business and as a first time founder and coming out of the technology side, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, our first year, so we formed in November of 2016. And in 2017, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a beachhead market. We were still very focused in sanitation, but it was becoming pretty clear that that wasn't going to be a place where we could make our first sales. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then we, okay, what about agriculture? Um, so we are longest running technology demonstrations at a pig farm trading manure. So, okay, well, let's go talk to the farmers. Well, they're operating on a 6% margin. <laughs> they're not going to pay for a technology that they don't have to pay for. So it's also very regulatory driven, not necessarily going to be early adopters just because the value proposition isn't as clear. So then we're like, okay, we're, we're spinning our wheels and kind of through the agriculture uh, investigations, we started talking to more food and beverage operators and, and, and owners and then really understanding their problems and what they're paying for their way of managing, you know, managing their wastewater. Then that brought us to finally identifying our value proposition, right? Okay, this is how we could be a business. This is how we can sell our technology, drive down our cost of goods as we scale up our manufacturing, and then ultimately work toward that long-term mission, right? But, but it took a year and it just to identify the beachhead market. And then it took a, you know, 
several months for me in order to, to educate myself how to speak about it mm-hmm. <laughs> to investors, educated, right? And, you know, what are the, what are going to be the questions that are going to come to me and being prepared for those answers? Um, putting, crafting a, a, a good pitch, right? Where yeah. I've got five minutes to get somebody's attention and get them to invest yeah. <laughs> right? and, or, or buy our product, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, all of that took time. And I didn't even know that there were accelerator programs when we came out, right? I didn't know what it was. I'd never heard of it before. I'd never heard of a pitch deck before. <laughs> and it was pretty clueless, right? And so, had I known which questions to ask and had I sought out more resources, I think, within the startup community to understand what those questions need to be. And that's ultimately what brought us, right, was just connecting with the folks who have done this before, other entrepreneurs or people who know other startups. And then that, like, oh, okay, there's accelerators. Oh, there's people I can help with this. So, you know, so yeah. it took me a while. Mm-hmm. And I think in science and technology, um, you're taught how to do science and technology. You're not you're not taught this other aspect of putting together a budget, leading teams, human resource management, um, and 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 business development. It's just not not in the curriculum. And so I think you know as we are starting to focus more on innovation and specifically innovation and sustainability, it would be great to have more resources within the academic space where these innovators are coming mm. out of. To say, okay, if you want to, you want to commercialize this, it's not just file a patent, right? It's, there's so much more to it. Right. And, uh, and if you, especially if you're not in an ecosystem like Silicon Valley or New York, where, you know, there's, there's a, a culture of, of startup, or, you know, there's, you hear about these things happening, you kind of absorb it. Um, when you're not in one of those areas, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great insight. Like just, I mean, I think there's so much benefit to subject matter matter experts like yourself starting these companies. So how can we make it, how can the startup community make it easier for, for you to make that transition? Speaking of that transition, could you talk a little bit though more about, I think there's some positives there actually. Like, so we've talked, you've shared a little bit about those challenges, the learning about how to um, learn the business side, but your background in experimentation and testing. Could you talk a little bit just about overall more about that transition and the good and the bad? And <laughs> Well, the hardest part, the hardest part, as I alluded to earlier, is not talking about technology and talking about the business, right? Yeah. This is the opportunity. Whereas, you know, when I was giving presentations to, to my, my research community and my research fellows, and that was my job, right? Mm-hmm. I'm spending 20 minutes on a specific research topic, which isn't the whole project. It's just, this is one little aspect of it. Now I spend a good 30 seconds on the technology. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that was, I think, the biggest transition for me. Um, but relative to the pros, you know, as a researcher and especially as a soft money researcher where you're always writing grants and you know, you're, you're submitting publications for review. You, um, you learn how to accept failure. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, you roll with it. Your, your papers are rejected. Your grants are rejected. Your constant criticism, you know, um, of, of your approach or the method you took or what those results, how they're interpreting those results. And so, 
you learn pretty fast that you got to get some thick skin. And, uh, and that translates very well into entrepreneurship. (laughs) (laughs) It does. (laughs) And, uh, and to note that, that taking that criticism, adopting it and, uh, you know, listening to, to the, the critical feedback can only improve what you're doing. Right. And so being coachable, right. And another benefit of, uh, of what you learn in science and technology is to take that criticism. And roll it into the next the next thing, and and just learning how to fail, right? And that it's okay, because as long as you're learning something from it, it's not a failure, and uh, you just yeah. try again in a different approach. Yeah, great. So, what is next? How are you thinking through kind of the next one to five years? What are what are you looking forward to with AquaCycle? Global domination. <laughs> Of course. That's the next step. <laughs> um, you know, us for us as a business gets profitable. Yeah. Um, get to a point where, you know, we don't have to, to raise a whole bunch more money, right? Uh, bring bring returns to our investors and and to our customers and continue growing that. And and as a you know, as a technology, continue to optimize, continue to innovate. Um stay on the leading edge of what we're doing and and drive down our cost of goods so we can open up new value in new markets. And so and ultimately, right, get to that long term vision. So we've, you know, we've got all of that with various milestones, you know, that happen over the next year, two years, five years, ten years. Um, but that's where we want to be. Wonderful. Well thank you so much for taking the time to join the Impact Drivers podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Impact Drivers. Make sure to visit our website at impactdrivers.io where you can subscribe to the show. If you found value in today's episode, we would appreciate your rating on iTunes. Or if you could tell a friend about the show, that would be great too. I'm also available as a business coach. You can learn more about my services at lucentpathways.com. Join us next time for a chance to be inspired and learn from the entrepreneurs daring to build the hard businesses that create a better world. Oh, 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 oh,